You are listening to Life Improvement Radio on the Helium Radio Network. Hey everybody, how's it going? Aaron Richmond here again with another exciting episode of Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people where we speak about critical issues in the blindness community from all over the world. Telephone number for text message contributions, voicemails, or you just want to get in touch. 1-240-681-9869. Aaron's opinion six at gmail.com. A-A-R-O-N-S-O-P-I-N-I-O-N-6 at gmail.com. Follow on Facebook, Twitter, comment below on YouTube, even consider becoming a patron on my Patreon page. I appreciate the support. Thank you. Well, I don't know how I came across this next guest, but I'm glad I did. She posted in one of, probably she posted in one of the various groups that I'm on on Facebook, and we would like to include her today uh, on the podcast. Um, she's going, by, by the way, I am going to warn you that obviously children are, are forbidden, are not permitted to listen to Aaron's opinion, but let me also tell you that this particular episode is um, quite, uh, quite graphic, um, and I need to give a trigger warning. Um, so trigger warning, the following episode contains, uh, discussions of mental health, suicide, um, assault, violence, um, persecution, um, a lot of different, very serious things. If you are triggered by anything such as those things, do not listen to this episode. Uh, the following episode is very serious. And today we would like to welcome Quinn Leigh Erickson from Quinn Lay Therapy. For this one, we have to go over the border to Canada. Oh, Canada for this one. Quinn is a therapist. Um, Click the link in the description for more information. She um, fled Vietnam um, as a younger person. Probably, I didn't specifically ask, you know, directly what year it was, but it sounds like she fled in the, probably in the 80s or... 70s or 80s, um, she fled the country and ended up in Canada. Through the experiences that she has had, she's she kind of discovered in life that she's supposed to be a therapist and supposed to help others. So although she did speak about many extremely serious moments in this episode, um, she still spoke really well, and it was still a really fun episode, and I, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed speaking to her today. So how about let's call this episode therapy with Quinn. All right. The following episode of Aaron's Opinion was recorded on the 23rd of August at 1300 New York. Uh, I think, I think Quinn was on the Pacific side of Canada. So actually I think it was a Monday morning for her when we sat down and recorded this. So we're really glad to have her here at Aaron's Opinion. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. Let's call this episode, as I just said, therapy with Quinn. Um, and I'm sure that you'll learn a lot from this episode. So let's put Quinn on, uh, and there you go. All right. So, uh, Aaron Richmond, uh, Aaron's opinion, it's 12 o'clock. That means it's time for Aaron's opinion on life improvement radio on the Helium Radio Network. Okay, here we go. Go. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Quinley Erickson, Erickson, welcome to Aaron's Opinion. My first question is, so please tell the audience, um, who are you? Who is Quinley Erickson? <laughs> well, thanks, Aaron, for inviting me. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure. And I, so I am um, a Vietnamese person who came to Canada in 1994 as a refugee, a boat person, uh, and I'm visually impaired. I'm totally blind. So I'm not sure how detailed would you like me to talk about myself? <laughs> uh, as, uh-huh. as, much, as much as you would like. Sure. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, let me tell you maybe a little bit of my background before I came to Canada. So, uh, so there's a bit of a context why I have decided to become a uh, psychotherapist. So I was born in uh, Vietnam and uh, I was born with perfect sight. So no one in my family 
uh, has any vision loss or anything like that. And so when I was about two years old, I started to um, experience uh, fever and um, uh, my I started to have what they called, uh, I think, cross eyes in English. Right? And uh, so then it's a but at first it, it just uh, I could still see, but just the way I looked at things uh, was uh, different. So then my mom and my parents continued to take me to, um, you know, the, the doctors there. And I was in Vietnam then, which at that time and still is now uh, a very poor country. So, I mean, lots of people don't even have money to go and see doctors. So my, my parents did have some money and they would take me to doctors um, and he would, you know, give injections and things like that. But nothing seemed to really improve. And then a few months after that, uh, my mom said one day she came home and I started to uh, feel around to look for her. Uh, and then she really realized that that I um, lost my sight. And so if you could imagine, you know, how upsetting that would be for, uh, for a parent. So my parents at the time, you know, they, they were like a probably middle class uh, people. So they worked really hard and often they would leave me at home with a, a babysitter who would be probably like a teenager or something like that. Uh, but at that time, then my mom would stop working and would just take me to different places um, to to look for ways to restore my vision. You know, anywhere from staying in the hospital in the big city to um, going to doctors and uh, superstitious figures, uh, temples, all kinds of things, you name it. And uh, but my 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 eyesight continued to to suffer. Uh, so after a while, they they started to give up on the idea of restoring my sight in Vietnam. Then my, mostly my mom, she decided to, my dad too, but my dad was, is not uh, keen about it. But my mom really wanted to leave Vietnam to come to a country like Canada. So not only could our family's future improve significantly, but she was also hoping that they could restore my, my sight. Um, and at, at the time, leaving Vietnam like trying to escape Vietnam that way would be considered illegal. So if you were caught, you would be placed in, in, in prison. And so my family tried to escape Vietnam a few times. And finally, uh, so in one of the times we were caught and um, as a seven year old girl, I was in prison for about a few weeks with my, my mom and my sister and my dad would be in prison a lot. Uh, longer for like six months uh, because at the time and still is now Vietnam is under the communist uh, regime so uh, very strict and I remember you know one of the memories in Vietnam for me was um, I would be on the street with my mom and I would hear someone playing guitar singing and you know begging for money and my mom explained to me that uh, you know this uh, this is uh, a blind beggar and so at the time in vietnam if you're blind um, you could only go to school for about you know a few years uh, getting basic education and after that either you would have to uh, fend for yourself or be supported by family members and in the streets of Vietnam, even sighted people have a hard time making a living, let alone people who cannot see. So the future for a person like me, a blind person, would be very bleak in Vietnam. And so finally, when I was nine, um, in one of the last attempts, we were successful to escape Vietnam. And escaping Vietnam at the time would be by boat. Um, so if you could imagine, there would be uh, 126 people 
all crammed on a small fishing boat. I, I don't really know how small it really was, but all I, I, I remember is the way that we had to sit, we would have to fold our legs. We couldn't even straight our legs and I would be sitting in my mom's lap. And so, you know, uh, we were lost in the sea for, I think, probably about 10 days because by the third day, the boat would stop running and food and water started to run out. We were like in this big ocean and uh, yeah, it was pretty scary. And then so the, the water started to come into the boat and it started to sink. And so lots of people would have to, you know, get the water out of the boat. Um, but not only that, we ran into pirates. Uh, they would be like uh, Thai pirates. And this was very common in those days where uh, Thai pirates would target uh, Vietnamese boat people to rob, you know, jewelries and whatever that they would bring with them. So, um, but they also would sexually assault some women on the boat too. And um, I was young then and my, my mom was, you know, really holding me close to her and kind of like uh, throwing up on top of us so that we would be undesirable so that the pirates could ignore us. And we were really lucky because often when uh, Vietnamese boat people encounter pirates like that, they would um, typically, you know, would take some girls, a young woman with them, would sell them uh, for prostitution because in Thailand, prostitution is very common, as you know. Uh, and then they would crash the boat, but these were not real pirates. I think they were more fishermen who uh, took advantage of the opportunity. And so, yeah, finally we left, uh, they left us alone and our boat continued to be in the sea. And, um, and then finally we were rescued by a big ship. They, they said that they were Germans. Um, so they took us to a, uh, a refugee camp in um, Indonesia. Um, and so there I stayed in that refugee camp for four years. And so, yeah, the four years in there uh, you know, was really um, challenging. The, if you could imagine, each one of us would receive three small cans of sardines a month and three cups of rice a week and three packages of noodles um, a week as well. You know, those Mr. Noodle package that you would get in a store, yeah, three of those per week or those uh, cans of sardine you would get from the store, three of those. And so we would sleep in barracks, you know, lying on wooden platform uh, that would run from one end of the barrack to the other. So each person would be allowed, you know, like, I don't know, a few feet of that area, something like that. So yeah, living there, it was uh, really challenging. But we, I also received a lot of uh, love and care and from from people. Because one thing about that kind of setting is that some people they continue to be extremely nice and compassionate and giving with each other. And other people, they would become very um, greedy and, and they would fight with each other for silly things. But I also learned in, in that lifestyle was that, uh, you know, hope and how you think is very important. Some people, they were hopeless. Uh, they would commit suicide. They would uh, volunteer to go back to Vietnam, you know, despite how hard it was to escape it. Uh, yet some other people, they made the be best of every day. They um, continue to be optimistic. They continue to be, um, to do what they could to survive, to, uh, you know, have a, a meaningful time. And so I think that was what really um, implant some kind of seed in my mind about how I could be 
uh, a therapist later on to help people make the best of, of their minds and, and their hearts. And so after I um, came to Canada, I was 14 then, but um, I started grade nine right away, even though I only had grade two education in Vietnam. Um, and so that was also challenging. And my English at that time was uh, probably equivalent to that of a two-year-old. And uh, I, but I, I went to a school for the blind in uh, Ontario, Canada. And uh, I think that was what I really needed because um, I did go to a sighted school for about three months and I felt really isolated there because I couldn't speak English. I couldn't, um, I was like a, a new immigrant, but in this school for the blind, uh, I got to try things that I never tried before, like baseball and goalball and canoeing, camping, skiing and um, snowmobiling and all kinds of things, you know, and I, I was surrounded by people who were kind and good to me. And so that really helped to slowly increase my self-esteem. And, uh, and then I graduated. Uh, first, I went to college for two years to improve my English. Then I did a BA in um, psychology. And then I finally did a master's in counseling psychology. And so that's how I uh, became the therapist that I am today. Perfect. I've heard your story before. Um, I want to maximize the episode, so I'll certainly send you a message a little later about it. But I, I have heard that story many times. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yes. I'll tell you about it uh, later. But mm. so now we definitely know who you are. Uh, you're mm. an outstanding speaker, by the way. I completely understood you and really, really good. All right. Fine. Oh, thank you. So what is now we know who now we know who you are. OK, but what is uh, Quinn Lai therapy? What is Quinlay therapy? Um, I, I have uh, worked for different places, uh, worked to different, like the hospital setting and the um, mental health and addiction rehab center, and um, even the Canadian National Institute for the Pline and different places. And I've gained a lot of experiences. So I decided to uh, the last few years, I decided to do a, a private, open a private practice. And so the private practice is called Quinn Lay Therapy, Q-U-Y-N, and Lay is L-E Therapy, Quinn Lay Therapy. And so I, I see people uh, in my office in a small town in called Powell River, which is right by the ocean. My, my office is actually waterfront, so it's really nice. And it's a home office. Uh, my husband turned a carport into a beautiful waterfront home office. Uh, but because Powell River is a small town, I also see people online or on the phone. And so people could be in the US, people could be in Canada. And um, I really love it. I enjoy it. It's just the freedom and, and, and the gratification, the, how rewarding it is to be able to help people. Because people, they would um, work with me, uh, receive my therapy, and then they, they see the results within a few sessions or, you know, several sessions, depending on how complicated their issues are. And then they would talk about my work with other people. Uh, so that's very, so actually a lot of my clients, probably 90% of them are referred uh, by word of mouth. And so even way more than by the internet. So, but I do EMDR, EMDR, which is a, a form of therapy that um, helps to shift and yeah, help to shift certain negative emotions and beliefs and sensations in the, uh, in the body, but beliefs in the mind and the feelings so that those things that are negative um, did not affect the person so much. 
So it's a, a form of bilateral stimulation. It simulates both sides of the brain to calm down the, the negative emotional part of the brain called the, the limbic system and to um, optimize the, um, the other part of the brain, which is the frontal uh, cortex that allows us to think more clearly and have a clear perspective about certain issues. I also do hypnotherapy. Uh, the hypnotherapy is a way to resolve certain things in the unconscious mind, like certain beliefs, certain things that happened to us in the past, but they they not resolved. So then they become, they, they keep following us somehow. They keep bugging us somehow. So those two things, when I combine EMDR and hypnotherapy, um, I'm able to help people achieve really great results. Sometimes they could be struggling with something for years or decades, and they would have um, three to 10 sessions with me, and they would talk about how, how much it profoundly shifts their how they think about themselves, how they uh, approach life. So that's, uh, yeah, that's about quinolate therapy. No, I, I understand. I think that's really important um, around the community. Um, I mean, having nothing to do with the blindness aspect of it, I think mm -hmm. that there are, there are a lot of people who at least one time in their life have been to a therapist or probably at least two times in their life should have gone to a therapist. So mm -hmm. I think that it's really, your work is, is really critical, um, especially in these trying times. The other specific question I wanna learn more about from you is I see a lot around the blindness community on Facebook. And quite frankly, I, I'm just so glad you're here for one, for another, I forget where you posted You know your, your your post or whatever it is i i forget how i noticed you in the around the community but one thing i see in the community is just so much so much negativity in the community and i was talking i was speaking with another content creator who's going to come to the show later this week and i was telling her that i think one of the one of the problems that we need to solve in the blindness community and the content creation community is that there are so many blind people and content creators who constantly cut each other down. And there's so much negativity within the community, especially between people who should be supporting each other, that it's really preventing a lot of blind people like, well, I mean, not preventing me because I already have my own show. I mm -hmm. do this because I want to, but what I'm saying is all this negativity is preventing a lot of blind people from standing up and sharing their opinion and connecting with others. So how can we solve this problem? What do you think about all of that? I, I totally agree with you uh, because there's a little bit of, 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 of jealousy when a blind person is doing well, you know, and then there's a little bit of, I, I feel sorry for myself because I, I haven't accomplished certain things. So, uh, but also, yeah, it, it's, um, and it's, it's really, a shame because a lot of uh, people who are visually impaired, they also do really well. And I think we need to hear from each other and learn from each other. Like when I see a therapist who's doing excellent, instead of being jealous, I think of what can I learn from that therapist? How can I, I don't have to be like her or like him, but what can I be inspired by, you know? And so like, like someone like you doing interviewing people and doing podcasts, I think that's great. And I, I, I also love interviewing um, experts who can uh, help other people. So it's not just coming hearing from me. So I think that um, help each other, like support each other to grow. Um, if if we're struggling, we can encourage each other um you know it's one thing to validate the struggles like yeah i hear you i know it's tough it's uh, you know being visually impaired is not easy having a disability is not easy um living life in at COVID time is not easy right so it's not to minimize people's suffering or people's struggles but also 
to encourage them um, to help them to grow and when you see people do well be happy for them um, give them compliments acknowledge their work acknowledge their efforts and instead of feeling sad about yourself or not get doing those things be inspired by those things or ask yourself how you know how can i create my own path how can i so i don't have to be you know um I don't have to walk those exact paths because that may not be what I like, but I can certainly create my own path. So that's what I think. Yeah, yeah. And that when someone is successful in our community, it's a collective success. So that means that we were all successful if someone reaches a benchmark or reaches a, a milestone. But people do not seem to understand that. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, and, you know, and even... I mean, I'm sure you already know this in life, but ju just to let you know, even though that I was born in the United States somewhere, um, yeah. my, my life has still been difficult, even though I'm, I'm American. My life has still been difficult, even with my disability, even in the United States. That's um, right. It, well, it's well, some people well, see. I mean, you, you, you understand it because of your life experiences, Quinn, but others would say other people around the world have this view of North America that nothing is wrong and everything's perfect. And that if you're born there, everything's perfect forever, which couldn't really be further from the truth. But that's what a lot of people think. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, I've had to deal with a lot of a lot of uh, grossly, you know, gross ignorance and a lot of different problems. But it is it is those types of problems are actually growing, I think, in our society. And I think the longer that we stay in this situation of, you know, diseases and, and, and COVID and this whole rut, I guess, uh, a lot of society will be really held back. And I think that the blindness community, especially in the United States, um, has been really, really held back. This was a real, I mean, I, I've told people, I think that COVID has at least set the United States back for another five years. And I think it set the disability community back for another 10. I mean, this was mm -hmm. a really, really low blow to the disability community um, and, and all communities, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's really um, challenging. I mean, I've worked with people all walks of life, the poorest to millionaires and executives, and they all have struggles in their own ways. Right. Of you course know? they would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, yes, go ahead. Yeah. And, and, and often, you know, people who are blind or visually impaired, often they struggle with other mental health issues too. Right. So it's not just, it's not just blindness or vision right. loss. They, they struggle with depression, they struggle with anxiety, um, lack of self-confidence. Often they may be in abusive relationships that they are not able to get out, right? And so, yeah, uh, it, it's tough for a lot of um, um, people who, and that's why I said like validate the struggles. We don't mean to, we don't minimize the struggles right but uh, but also encourage each other even just take baby steps uh, even if they have a hard time do what they can to help them because your mental health is so important um, it helps you to be creative about finding ways um, to overcome your challenges you know it's not not necessarily like positive thinking and then everything is solved i don't mean it like that right but even having um um an assessment okay what am i struggling with what am i good at that i can use that to help with my struggles right like you said you have um you have some struggles aaron but yet you also of course i uh, right of course i do because we yeah. all also we yeah. all that's that's that that's the misunderstanding everybody thinks that they're the only one with the struggle well the fact is mm -hmm. a hundred percent of the population on the planet has a struggle because life is a struggle so of course yeah. i have struggles right that's right and then you yet yeah, you also interview people you also uh you know uh bring information and education to the community right and so being able to aware of our strengths as well as our struggles i think it's uh, important and make the best of of our strengths or what we can still have 
So you're absolutely correct. So have you, um, I mean, do you, do you find that you attract a lot of clients who are, who are blind or, uh, or have actually, a disability or is it just a, a mixed bag of everybody? Uh, actually, yeah, probably a mixed because a lot of people uh, sighted come to me because I'm actually, people know me for working with depression, anxiety and traumas. Um, and actually a small portion of my clientele, um, his vision loss. Only a small percentage of the yeah, of your clientele yeah. has. Yeah, vision. I think mm. I'm not known in the, maybe I'm not known in the you're no, you're, blindness you're known, community. You're known now. <laughs> but also, I get, and also I'm and Canadian too, right? A lot of the people are you're, you're, in the US. You're international now. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you wanted to just relax in yeah. your office, you're going to get attention now. <laughs> right, yeah. And also maybe uh, because I, I do private practice. So, you know, some people not able to afford my therapy. So that's another mm. issue too. This is a very a very humorous question, a very silly question. Do you yeah. ever do you ever give do you ever give discounts to someone who's blind, especially if they really need help, if they if they severely need your 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 knowledge and help? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I give discounts to people who, who really need to see me and they struggle with low income. I wouldn't call like a sliding scale. But I tend to give discounts to people who really need help, but are also very motivated. Mm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, I don't just give discount for the sake of giving discount. Like if someone, sh you know, shows um, after one or two sessions and I notice like they're committed, they're motivated, then yeah, I, I will work with them and give them discounts for sure. Excellent. That's, yeah. that's really, that's really, really useful. Um, mm -hmm. So what are some, I mean, you know, our countries are similar in a lot of ways, and they're very different. So what's, mm -hmm. you know, what's been going on in Canada these days, as you might have known, I've, I've spoken with a lot of the Canadian content creators about what's going on in Canada. Um, and I've, for, su for such a nice country you have up there, there's a lot of people that, that are complaining and there's a lot of disgruntled people in Canada. <laughs> boy, oh boy, I've heard some negative things about Canada. I thought it was a nice country. Oh, really? maybe, yeah. maybe, I've heard so many negative things about Canada. Maybe I don't want to go there now because I've heard so many bad stories. But oh, really? um, the, the, other, the other question that comes to my mind, and you'll know why I'm asking if it's right away, what's, what school for the blind did you go to in, in Ottawa? Uh, it was Ontario. It's actually it was oh, yeah. it's not Ottawa. It's like uh, Brentford, which is uh, probably several hours from Ottawa. So you you're close. <laughs> you're right, but close. I've never I've never been over yeah. the border, so I'm, I'm a little yeah, shaky yeah. with the with the. Oh, oh, you're great. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, great. Yeah. So, um, it, it was called uh, W. Ross McDonald. Oh, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! I was afraid of that. Um, <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Uh, that's what I was, that's what I was afraid of. That's very interesting. Mm. Um, mm. Do you care to, you certainly do not have to, obviously. Mm -hmm. Do you care to comment on the situation? Um, so one of my other friends in the podcasting community graduated from that school and mm. said some, um, to, to put it lightly, gave some constructive criticism uh, of the institution and his and his experience. So, yeah. did, did did you have that type of experience? Did you have a good experience? Uh, do you want to tell us about your experience there? If it was a better one? Yeah. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely not gonna I'm not uh, minimizing anyone's experience. But this was my experience. I was there uh, five years around there, and um, my experience was mostly positive i mean the food was bad <laughs> and uh at, you know at that time i mean i was new to the country too so i was also getting used to um you know um canadian western food uh, but but other than that like i i did have a positive experience there in general i would say um they i was probably one of one of the two immigrants in that school and they they did what they could to support my English um, 
And originally they, they thought that I was cognitively challenged because I didn't really speak English. But then probably after several months, they, they figured that I, I was relatively smart, uh, even though, it, and so my, my main struggle was because of English, not because I, I wasn't smart. And so then uh, they would, uh, yeah, they would uh, help to support me. And um, the friends I had there was also really good because like I said earlier, I was in a, a sighted school for about three months and I felt really lost. I felt like no one really understood me. But in that school, like the friends were really good to me. And um, off, even though I was really shy, like I was extremely shy and my English was really uh, bad at that time. But in some years, I was voted the most popular girl in the school. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was certainly not bullied or not. Um, yeah, and the, yeah, the, the teachers were good to me. So I, I, I'm not sure, like uh, I, I had a good experience and I was, uh, you know, I, I, I had all the signs that I could be bullied. I could be uh, ignored by the teachers, but it was the other way around. I was um, treated quite kindly by the teachers and the students. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I have mm -hmm. spoken to other people who've said the the polar opposite of what you just said, but I'm I'm glad that you had a great experience there. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It would now was it your choice to go to that school? Did did a representative from that school just contact your parents at the time, or did you just all of a sudden remember just getting on a bus and being shipped off, shipped <laughs> off to that school? I, you know, I well remember I. I barely like just a few months in Canada. My 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 mom didn't speak English much at all, so it was I think it was decided by the the lady who sponsored us our family over. She she was from Salvation Army, and I think she uh, she signed me up for the school. <laughs> so I had no idea. I just uh, went to the school and then realized that all the people there were you know, blind and visually impaired. I mean, they had people of other disabilities there too. But yeah, it wasn't, we, I didn't make that choice, but it turned out to be okay. <laughs> I'm glad. Good, good. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So now, nowadays though, I mean, what is your honest opinion? Do you, can you understand, you know, philosophically, I'm not talking about intellectual, I'm talking about philosophically. Can you understand from a philosophical standpoint where in today's world, parents would want to mainstream their blind child? Or do you still feel that there is a strong place for schools for the blind? What's your what's your professional opinion on that? Oh, that's that's a tricky one, you know, because um, I've seen some people like in that school for the blind um, two people that I knew there then uh, later on became Paralympians and um, many people went to university, but there were also some people um, would commit suicide later on because the college system or the, the, the sighted world was just too challenging for them, right? And then in, in, term, in the regular school, whether you have blindness or disability or autism or whatever that might be, you know, if you well supported, uh, if your parent, if things at home are going well, and then the, the teacher is supporting you, it could go really well. But if you struggle at home, and, and you know, your family is, is sort of dysfunctional, and then the teachers are not very uh, attentive, and you fall in the gap, uh, that could also be bad too. As you know, I mean, for a lot of people I work with, um, you know, regular, um, I, I shouldn't say regular, like sighted people, all kinds of people, they often talk a lot about being bullied in school. And so when you have a, a disability, that may be the risk as well. So I think it really depends. But I've also known some kids with uh, autism who well supported at home or um, home, people, uh, students who are visually impaired, but well supported at home, well supported by the teachers and uh, the school system, they adjust extremely well in the uh, regular mainstream system. So 
it's hard to say. It is. I like the way you approach it, though. Very, very analytical. Your style is very analytical. I really appreciate that. I think it really depends. You kind of hinted mm -hmm. on it. It depends on the parents, what the parents' yeah. expectations are, and if if the parents are active participating parents or not. Of course, nothing can prevent bullying in school. And you, you also made a very distinctive point that actually all people are bullied in school at some point, at least one mm -hmm. time, for some weird reason. But blind people in, in the dis disability community is a far greater risk. But it's also fair to say everyone is bullied. You're, you're absolutely right. Not, and it's mm -hmm. not right, but of course you are correct in saying that, that everyone, everyone has an experience. It's just a matter of how the parents and what the family's expectations are. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, another, another interesting question. I had another um, Vietnamese guy um, on, on, on the show. Um, have I published the episode or not? Yes, I have. Just a couple episodes, <laughs> just a couple episodes ago. And he was also, um, I've, I forget the full, the full extent of the story, but I was asking him if he follows any content creators, you know, in Vietnam. So do mm. you follow any like Vietnamese YouTubers? Um, and are there any, and I would hope that there are, are there any people in Vietnam um, who, you know, are blind or have some sort of disability who have, have some sort of an opinion podcast of their own, even if it's in Vietnamese? What do you think? Probably, I mean, uh, the last few years I've been so busy, but I know like um, several years ago, I used to be, I used to belong to a big Skype group of, um, Vietnamese blind people all over the world, including Vietnam. And they, yeah, they, they quite, it's a, it's really amazing. They don't understand English uh, as much, right? Especially the ones in Vietnam, but they're able to use like JAWS and, and voiceover and they use so fast. Like it's a, I think they associate the sounds, you know, not, not necessarily understand the words, but they, they, yeah, like they use, so they're very, um, I mean, some of them would sell lottery tickets on the street, so very poor. And then some of them able to afford internet and use JAWS, use uh, voiceover, um, have iPhones, just like we do. <laughs> and so, um, and then, yeah, I do listen to some you, uh, YouTubers uh, in, in Vietnam as well, because I, I, I need, I, uh, you know, because I do Vietnamese counseling as well. So for me to familiarize myself you know, with Vietnamese culture, um, things like that, and, and also the vision loss and the disability culture, that's very important to me. So, but I haven't, um, I honestly, recently, I haven't been aware of any podcasts from blind people in Vietnam, not recently. In the past, I, had, I, I was aware of them. Hmm. Well, good, good. Well, if mm -hmm. you ever find one, if you ever know of someone like that, who's a podcaster and they speak English and they want to come and talk, they're, they're welcome on this podcast. That's for sure. And I, I, I would sure. hope that I would hope that someday there would be something like that as technology improves and as more people, um, you know, become, I mean, I do have Vietnamese listeners to my podcast. So people, oh, yeah. Vietnam, yeah, because it shows you the flags where people yeah. are listening. So I have, I have the Vietnamese flag is up on, on my chart. So uh -huh. people there do have access to it. So there is someone listening. I just oh, wonder yeah. No, actually yeah. they're not as uh, disempowered as we think. A lot of them, they're no, no. quite into technology, you know? Um, no, and I'm, I don't mean we like you and I, I mean like um, the, 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 you know, other people. Right. Yeah. They're quite, they're quite uh, into technology. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the other, another important aspect of all of this to, to think of is so, you know, as you work in your field, you know, of course, I don't know how long you've been working in the field, but if you do end up working for 30 years and you look back on your entire career, what mm -hmm. is the one problem that you wish you would, you would say, I'm glad I solved this problem for society? What, what, what societal problem? do you hope and pray you'll solve if, if you could only solve one? Mm. <laughs> the, problem with so that, I, the, problem, the problem with that question is there are far too many problems to only bother solving one. But if you could right. only bother solving one problem, what, what would you solve? Mm. Uh, so I've been in the field for about 12 years. 
and 30 years from now you know how i think right now is probably different from from 15 18 years from now but one of the things that i was hoping to do prior to COVID, and then COVID hit um is to go back to vietnam and uh, empower some blind children hmm Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's expand on that. So, w what exactly do you want to do to empower some blind children? Um, I was thinking of you know maybe do like a like a uh, either being involved in a school that's already established or establish some kind of um, organization that can provide education and and what would be different. Uh, that I can contribute is my knowledge of, of psychology uh, to, to empower people. So it's not just to educate people, you know, teach them skills, but also to help them understand that even if they're in a, a challenging situation, there are things they can do to, to help themselves um, when they believe in themselves, right? When they can can do things to make the best of the, the powerful mind um, because knowledge is is power and knowledge about ourselves is power and a lot of the time people in countries like vietnam they just um, focus on meeting day-to-day -day needs right um, like survival and um, there's way more to that than than survival um, like, so when I was in the refugee camp, yeah, we had to survive. We were hungry. We were lacking a lot of things, but having a certain mindset, having a certain attitude, uh, helped us to, to, to change situations to, even in that situation, we could still have some happy moments. We could, you know, because of that mindset, I was able to asked for help from a, a lawyer who was able to overturn the decision. Otherwise, I could have been in Vietnam by now because we were rejected as refugees. But because I gathered my courage as a 12 year old and I spoke to the lawyer and I said, I'm blind, I need, I need help. I need uh, to not be back in Vietnam. He overturned that decision. Okay, so there are things that we can do to slowly uh, change our lives for the better, not just survive. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, but I mean, I've never been, I mean, I've never been to that part of the world before. I've traveled all over Europe. And of course, I speak French. I've volunteered in, in the Caribbean. I've done mm -hmm. a lot, but I've never been to your part of the world. I've spoken, and by part mm -hmm. of the world, I meant Vietnam. I've, I've spoken to, well, you're only the second Vietnamese person. I've definitely had some Filipinos here on Aaron's opinion, uh, Indian, uh, Nepalese, mm -hmm. Pakistan. Um, and one, one thing about your region of, of Asia that really does stand out, and it's a stereotype that I unfortunately find is somewhat true, is mm. that the, the expectation, well, first of all, the expectation for people who are sighted is, is lower, unfortunately. And the expectation for people who have a disability is even lower, unfortunately. Yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, pe people in that region of the world just have a lower, they just kind of, how do I even put it? They kind of have just a lower, lower self-esteem and just a lower yes. expectation of things. Yeah. So yeah. it's, that's, that's the problem. If there's any problem, that is it, is that people in that region have very low self-esteem and it's probably mm -hmm. many different reasons why, but you know, they never really, perhaps none of them are truly reaching their fullest potential in, in their own countries, mm -hmm. I suspect, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. what, what would you do? What activities would you do to really enhance their self-esteem, especially with the Vietnamese children? Honestly, I don't know yet. I yeah. mean, I have, I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't formulated my my plan yet. But, um, but things like you know, talking to them, um, like I, uh, I remember when I uh, joined that 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 Skype group. Right, a lot mm -hmm. of time we we empower each other. We taught each other technology. We taught each other how to use the computer. 
we we talk about um, communication. We talk about you know dealing with anxiety and things like that. So as children, it would be a lot you know more simple for sure, right? And uh, but you know it start it start young. So when you can help children having certain beliefs or certain uh, being aware of certain choices um, that can be helpful but i i don't know any specific activities I, yet i completely agree with you i think children are, mm -hmm. are really easy to teach you know yes. because they'll, they'll they'll believe you mm -hmm. because they'll have no reason to question you so of course they'll believe you yeah and even if you're poor you can still have dignity right and so even work on on that piece like uh like my my parents when we were in the refugee camp they, they well my mom you know taught us we poor but how can we still have dignity or um you know and not not do not steal not do silly things or not right so or work hard but also work smart somehow Mm hmm. Very good. So um, how many times have you been to the United States? Oh, a lot. Uh, uh, I've, I've gone to the US to get guide dog school. So this is my wow, wow. fifth oh, I had or a... sixth. Yeah. Where, where do you go to get your guide dog? Oh, I've, I've, I've got from different schools. So uh, I went to the seeing eye. Uh, I went to the one in New York. Uh, Guiding Eyes Guide for Dog. the Blind, Yorktown. No, no, Guide Dog Foundation. Guide Dog Foundation. Mm -hmm. And right. uh, but I'm I'm allergic to dogs, uh, and so I oh. I get poodles. So then when I get poodles, then I get from Pilot Dogs. Oh. So my current my current dog is from Pilot Dogs. In is Pilot Dogs in Ohio? Yeah, yeah, uh -huh, in Ohio. Oh, great! And then so I've good. been to the U.S. for personal, you know, leisure sure. reasons too. Yeah, I've been to California. I've been to. Well, well, and anyway, I'm I'm a huge guide dog supporter. I had a guide dog. I, I had uh, a guide dog from from Guiding Eyes for the Blind. So that's right. that's uh -huh. so good. That's so so mm. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So did did you ever apply to like any of the Canadian schools like Mira or schools like that? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I haven't actually, because uh, I don't know. It just gave me an opportunity to go to the U.S. too, and it, it's free for us, right? So I thought, why not? And also, they tend to be bigger too, right? Um, but uh, but specifically, my requirement for poodle, many schools unfortunately don't train poodles, uh, but they're hypoallergenic, and for me, I, I also use them for therapy dogs too for yeah. some clients, and so poodles. Um, would minimize the chance that they would be allergic to 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 my dog. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I don't know what the what the philosophy is. I think some schools just get the truth of it is some schools get a good a good breeding pair and get good generations of dogs over and over again, and then just use the great dogs that they already have. You know, I think yeah, that's a lot yeah. of it. And yeah. they don't believe in poodles. <laughs> well, it's not a matter. Well, Quinn, it's not a matter of belief. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's nothing yeah. personal about the poodle uh -huh. community. It's just if they never got start. If they never got there, I guess to put it in something that uh, the way a dog would think of it. You know, if you never, mm. if you never dip your tail in the water, then yeah, yeah. you know, then you would never yeah. really get into it like that. But mm -hmm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if guiding eyes for the blind ever had poodles. Um, in their in their kennels i don't oh, know, I know the seeing i tried i did get one from them and then uh, i think guide dog foundation they also have uh, they started that too but the often the waiting list is really long and i think that yeah yeah mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. that's that's interesting i wonder how many other blind people apply to the pilot or that school that you said just just to get a how many other blind people want guide dogs but have to have a poodle i wonder how strong that demand is i don't know yeah mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure mm -hmm. yeah it's very very interesting i'm so glad to hear that yeah really mm -hmm. really really good what kind, what kind of dog is yours oh she um she was a, a labrador retriever mm -hmm. uh, like yellow or black a, a black lab yeah oh they're really Ye cute yeah i used to have a black lab too 
<laughs> and then what about your poodles? What what, what color are your poodle, poodles? Uh, uh, this one now, she's kind of cream. Oh, <laughs> she's cream. Very, she's very small, like about 32 pounds. So like a so, little sort of like oatmeal cream, like a little like a little oatmeal color. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, not quite white, not quite white, but uh, yeah. Yeah, sort of she's, like oatmeal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Well, that's, that's really, um, that's really excellent. Yeah. And, you know, guide dogs, I mean, we weren't really going to talk about it today, but it, <laughs> it, it didn't quite fit into, you know, the discussion of, you know, your background, but I, I must yeah. say that that's another area of huge heated debate in the blindness community and it's a yes. big it's a big issue because so many people are number one not able to have a guide dog right now so many people mm -hmm. are denied access to services because they have a guide dog um so and then yeah. so many people are treated poorly in airports because they have a guide dog and there's mm -hmm. just so many stories about it just goes on and on about these yes. weird guide dog things it's that's that's a problem all all by its that whole thing is an episode um yeah mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. yeah yes. and and oh yeah the challenges for sure right and and especially like uh, for me as an asian person mm -hmm. um sometimes dogs are not being welcomed in the asian community right and that's another that's another that's in the states we would say that's a stereotype we would say americans yeah. would say like that's kind of secretly true a little bit but yeah. I think I think what I think is that that's true a little bit, but mm -hmm. it in the end, it depends on the person. Some people, you know, if they live in the States their whole lives, they get used to the concept of dogs and animals running mm -hmm. around. So it depends mm -hmm. on the people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, like some Asian people love dogs. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they love sure. dogs, right? But uh, yeah, but for me, it's, um, the, you know, the, the, the benefits for me sort of outweigh the the challenges like mm -hmm. I, I really a lot of my clients you know they they become very relaxed when there's a dog in the room mm, and mm -hmm. they get to play with and uh that and and also my own mental health i just i just my dog makes me happy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well and 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 i'll tell you it's very interesting i'm in a bit of a a bit of a transitional phase in my own right oh, in my own okay. life I, I yeah. it's a it's a very long it's a complex story but basically I live with my parents and my brother we all live together mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. for I'm, I'm sure you can understand for a number a lot of different reasons and a lot yes. and you know we've been really as you have as the world has we've been really held back by by COVID the pandemic mm -hmm. has really thrown us for a loop but um in in probably a couple of years I I hope to have my own apartment my own place to live and when and when I do I'm gonna mm -hmm. have a parrot or or a snake or something like that I mm -hmm. feel very calmed yeah. i yeah. feel very calmed when i'm around animals exotic animals so yeah, it is uh -huh. it is important yeah mm -hmm. yes what about you have you ever had a client who said oh, i'll come to your therapy if i can bring a snake have, have you ever had had an, an interesting request like that no no i mean i've had clients who come to me with their with their service dogs right oh yeah and um yeah, so then I would put my dog away or something like mm -hmm. that, so that because uh, my my dog can be okay with other dogs, but sometimes the other dogs may not be okay, and so then it becomes um, distracting. So then mm. I would I would just take my dog out. Um, right. My my uh, office from my old workplace used to have a big closet, so I would put her in the closet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I. I, I, I see, I see. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. And um, so what are your, you know, what are your hobbies? And the other thing is, so if you basically work from home with your home business, do you work every day of the week, just Monday through Friday? Like, how do you organize and, and set up your work schedule each week? How does that mm. work? I, for now, I choose to work three days a week. Um, and so I, 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 yeah, I book pretty full. Like I would see five, around five clients a day. I may have to do four days. So we'll see. I, I only resigned from my uh, recent job only about a month ago. <laughs> so it's been new for me. Uh, but I have had this practice on the side for 
um, a few years now, right, to build up to this point. Um, so yeah, I do three days, um, anywhere from nine in the morning to 8.30, but I see maximum five people per day. So lots of time in between to eat and to relax. And uh, yeah, that's how I do that. And if I need to, I may do four days, but no more than four days. Um, I used to work at the other place of a uh, kind of like a very high end mental health uh, center. And uh, I would see, I worked there four days and then, you know, my private practice two more days or like six days or a lot of work. So now, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying my, uh, my, my, my life here, just uh, working three, four days for now. Excellent. That's, that's really, really good. And so what steps did you need to take to create your business? You know, did you have to have like a, a business license? What are the steps that you take to create your business of Quinlay, Quinlay therapy? Oh, it's, um, uh, yeah, having a, a business license, you know, choosing a name for my, uh, for my business and making sure that, that uh, it's not taken and then uh, create a website. So having a lot of time, we try to, you know, we try to create a website on our own. I tried that before, but it's never quite appealing, you know? Uh, so I had a, a really great person to work with to create a website. And then we, we would keep tweaking together to optimize for you know, search. Um, what do you call that? CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. S S yeah, S -S -E yeah, SEO, but not, not CEO. <laughs> no, 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 no worries, no worries. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, it, yeah it's uh, weird. And, and in English, we, it's, we, we say it as if it's one word that means something else, but yeah. it doesn't. It's S, they say it super fast. SEO, SEO, yeah. SEO, as in, uh -huh. as in S search engine optimization. That's I must right. tell you. Yeah. I must tell mm -hmm. you that you've been an outstanding guest as every guest here at Aaron's opinion. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's mm -hmm. just, it's just the gift of the gift of learning and the gift of podcasting. It, yes. The magic is, is that each of my guests gets better and I enjoy it, broadcasting mm -hmm. the conversations and sharing knowledge more and more. So I'm coming yeah. to the end, coming to the mm -hmm. end of it today with this, with this hour, I like to keep it around an hour because anything that goes over an hour, people just kind of tune out and they, they lose, they That's lose right. their attention span. So, uh -huh. but you know, if you've heard any of my content, you know that I like to end the episode by, first of all, thanking you. Second, um, um, if you can ask me only one question to really make me sweat to see if I'm worth my salt as a podcaster and content creator in the community. What do you really want to know about me? Only one question. Only one question. Uh, what drives you to do podcast? It's the right thing to do. And I see that we need people like myself and many other great content creators in the community who are strong at public speaking and podcasting and are willing to reach mm -hmm. out to other people to help them share their story. So I, I mean, podcasting for me is, is a hobby. It's something I just love do. I, I just adore doing it. I just love putting the, together the episodes as an artist. It's, it just, it, you know, it, for, for, for one, it makes me happy. It gives me yeah. peace in my life, but it also gives me the knowledge and knowing that I'm, that I'm doing the right thing and helping mm -hmm. one more person. As I say in my outros, as I say, help one person today, help a million people tomorrow, right? So if we can only That's help right. one, if I yeah. if I only help you, I just helped a million. Or if you help mm -hmm. me, we all help a million or some something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. If someone, mm -hmm. so Quinn, you, you're, you're, you are forever, you are forever welcome here at Aaron's Opinion. Um, so if someone is listening and they wanna get in touch with you personally, whether it's personally, professionally, um, I mean, how, how, can, how can you be reached if someone does wanna get in touch with you? So they can visit my website, quinlay.com. So Q-U-Y-N-L-E.com. Excellent. And they can and if contact can... me through there. That's wonderful. Yeah. And if you can send me that website on Messenger, I'll certainly put it in the description of the video and then mm -hmm. people can contact you from there. That is yeah. um, that is really, really good. Quinn, um, thanks for joining me. I hope that you will always come back anytime. You are always welcome on Aaron's Opinion. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much, Aaron. And it's been my pleasure to talk with you and to talk to your listeners. All right. All right. My pleasure too. Have a great day. Yeah. You've been listening to Therapy with Quinn right here on Life Improvement Radio or wherever you get a podcast. Quinn, thank you so much for speaking to me today. 
about your background, growing up, leaving Vietnam, and coming to Canada to become a successful therapist who helps blind people or really anyone. So I really appreciate it. And uh, like I was saying, I think it's really important for us to speak about these difficult issues in the community. So I'm really glad that you were able to take the time out of your day to speak to me. And it was, I, I really hope that this episode really helps a million others, right? Like I say in the in our slogan, help one person today, help a million tomorrow, right? So I think this episode will be really helpful to people. So thank you so much for that. Um, I wish you the very best of health and luck. And with all of your... Um, you know, with your career and everything, and I'm sure everything is going to be great. So keep up your great work and uh, let me know when you want to come back to Aaron's opinion. Yeah, you're always welcome. Uh, To our audience all over the world, I wish you the very best of health and luck. And thank you to the Helium Radio Network for syndicating Aaron's opinion. I appreciate it. Telephone number 1240-681-9869, Aaron'sOpinion6 at gmail.com. Okay, everybody, have a good day. I really enjoyed that episode, and we'll see you next time. Help one person today. Help a million people tomorrow. Aaron Richmond, Aaron's Opinion, on Life Improvement Radio, on the Helium Radio Network.